1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
0: Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgak.
1: They have completely gone off the deep end.
0: Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN.
1: (laughs)
2: It's got to go, got to go. The Tiger Woods will come up one shot short. That was close. You know, um, I had I had a chance today. Um, unfortunately, I just didn't quite
0: feel as sharp as I needed to with my irons. So I was playing a little conservative because of it. God, and you doubted him for three so years. So how crazy you did, did you
3: go when he drained the 44-foot uh, birdie putt on 17?
1: Are you serious? Are you serious?
2: <laughs> There's a little of that old tiger, tiger magic, and a little rabbit out of the hat. Raj. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice little smile, a wry little smile there. This crowd has been like a volcano waiting to erupt. Yeah, I, uh,
0: I was one of the. I was I was not there, but I was down? I was erupting at yeah. the estate. Um, it was. I mean, well, first of all, he was he wasn't bad yesterday. He just. He kept putting every iron 25 feet from the pin in the middle. He was hitting fairways, and he just he wasn't super dialed in. But uh, Paul Casey had to shoot 65 to come from way back in the middle of the pack, and he won the tournament. But I think a couple of things were proven yesterday. Number one, Tiger Woods is back to being one of the better players in the world, assuming he can stay healthy. But number two, with all the ratings, someone someone uh, from Golf Channel tweeted out their stream numbers, or at least the percentage increase, their stream numbers went up by almost 700% over the weekend, people I have, streaming digitally.
3: I have not seen what, what they did for the final round on Sunday, but I saw a note in the Washington Post uh, yesterday. Saturday's telecast on NBC drew the highest third-round ratings of any tournament on a broadcast n- network in 12 years. Wow. The year-to-year increase for this tournament from last year was one hundred and seventy one percent for that day. Yeah. For Saturday. Right. So like so obviously increased if,
0: yesterday. If yeah. people are still arguing. Now golf is in good hands even without Tiger Woods, because there's a lot of really good players and 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 the ratings are good, but obviously he still matters. And I think he's probably the single most compelling individual athlete in the world. I can't think of anyone who moves the needle as an individual athlete, team sport or not, like Tiger Woods. I think I said this a few months ago. He's Babe Ruth.
3: Like there, there are good golfers now, and and there are certainly great athletes in sports. But I think to golf, he's Babe Ruth. He's that he's that important.
0: And it's hard because like with Babe Ruth, we can't measure because Babe Ruth's games were on the radio. Like Babe sure. Ruth wasn't on TV. But I'm just so. saying,
3: I think I think he is along that type of name as far as as far as star power. And as far as the fact that people will want to watch him until his last,
0: yeah, like the only current athlete, LeBron moves the needle a lot, and LeBron's presence and a lot of people root against him, but his presence in the NBA Finals and the storylines that he's involved with, villain with the Heat, you know, back to being a good guy in Cleveland and now kind of in the middle somewhere, he's definitely a must-watch. But Tiger's on a different level. He's Tigers like clear out your entire Sunday or Saturday. Yes. If you haven't watched golf in five years even, and sit down and watch him. Uh six five one six four six eight two five five eight seven seven six one five fifteen hundred if you guys want to chime in. Here's another question for you. It feels like even with the off the course stuff cheating on his wife and getting a getting arrested for for being passed out at the wheel of a vehicle, like all these things that happen to Tiger Woods, and they're all self inflicted, mm-hmm. and people and the star power, and people largely root for him, mm-hmm. which which is kind of a rarity in today's sports age, right? People root against Tom Brady, people root against LeBron James a lot more than they root against Tiger Woods. Why is that?
3: Because people because he has been conciliatory enough. He he has been sorry. He's come off, he's gone from being from being an athlete who we looked at for a long time and said, what's his life like? I can't imagine being Tiger Woods to being sort of sorry. And, and I think the fact that he is now, he now does a, I wouldn't say it's great, but I think he does a pretty decent job of presenting himself as a human being. I think if LeBron or Brady or a guy like that was to ever have some type of significant fall and just came back, we as a society love people who are sorry for their sins. Mm-hmm. If you're sorry for your sins, we can hate you for a long time and then make a complete turn and say, I hope this guy does well now.
0: And it's probably sort of the like the nature of whatever, if sin is the word you want to use or if like you you did something that misstep, was whatever. You know, misstep, let's call it a misstep. A Tom Brady misstep could be construed and was construed as cheating, doing something to gain a competitive advantage and damaging the integrity oh, of— Oh, right,
3: in the game, yes. Of yes. The, yes. So That's you're going
0: deflate footballs yep. or the Patriots with Spygate, even though all they were doing is just filming opposing team sidelines. Like Anyone could do that if they wanted to, so I thought that was overblown. Tiger Woods' missteps were personal life and— in personal life it was yes. two different it was cheating on it was relationship and it was and then his back abuse went out, of pain and we felt bad for him so there's a lot more room for him to say i'm sorry yes and uh and to be kind of a sympathy story with lebron james he's never been arrested he's never gotten a dui or anything like the worst thing lebron ever did was go on tv as a 26 year old and say sorry cleveland but uh you guys aren't good enough anymore i'm going to take my talents to south beach which was annoying for a lot of fans. He became a villain by forming a super team, but then rectified it by going back to Cleveland yes. and becoming a good guy and, and winning never a championship with the Cavs. But people root against him a lot more than they root sure. against Tiger Woods, and I just find that interesting. And I I, think, I root for Tiger Woods because I grew up watching him in the mid-'90s, and he's the reason why I started golfing. And
3: I, I think it's because people now think, right or wrong, that they can identify with Tiger. I can identify with, with a guy who has done a lot of stuff that is questionable, and he's sorry for it. That's the most important thing. If he if he remained arrogant, we'd be like bleep him. But the fact that he's fallen, that he fell so far, and then got hurt and had back problems and looked it it looks so sad. I think it becomes an easy story to to pivot then and root for him. Mm-hmm. And that's why. And if if LeBron did did the same thing and proved to be human, I think the perception or the or the feeling towards him would probably change too. But Tiger has become he's become very different. I mean, you think about him in the nineties and he was untouchable. At times it seemed certainly unapproachable, right? I mean, how, how many times did, did you see him in a press conference and you thought, I really don't like him? He's a great player, but I don't like him. And now you see him and he questions himself at times. You talk about
0: Tiger though? Like, Tiger. Tiger's actually been in in terms of like media and and doing interviews, he's actually been relative to his fame, very accommodating compared to but I thought LeBron James is too. I
3: thought in the 90s he came off as as and not surprisingly far more arrogant and unapproachable compared to now. Now he takes the podium, he talks about things he did wrong. He's very much humbled now. Yeah, and I think, I think on, we like that.
0: On the course specifically in his early in the late 90s early 2000s he was he was like over the top abrasive. Right. And would yell at photographers and fans. F-bombs yeah, he would. When he hit uh, bad shots, right? Yeah, and he still it, he definitely gets mad. There's a couple times where he'd spike a club, but he's a much more mellowed out, humble mm-hmm. version of himself. Mm-hmm. And it's fun. Like he's he's ten to one, although those odds are skewed because he's probably not actually ten to one to, to win the Masters. But um, he's in the mix to win majors now, and it's just I'll never be able to watch him the rest of his career and not think, "Ooh, it's, this is back." he's going to going to like well, a lumbar now, fusion so. for god's sakes. It's is spine going to fall. But off. even you as a guy who's been super critical and almost like rooting against Tiger sadistically on the show, I think he would make it
3: back. And but it, it's a great story. Dude, he had the he had It's the, a
0: really good story. They measure like clubhead speed. He had he had the best or highest clubhead speed of any player on tour this year with I think it was a Friday or a Saturday drive. Mhm. And um, so his swing is back. It's a different swing, but his swing is back. He was knocking everything close from a putting standpoint and making a bunch of putts on Friday and Saturday. And those players, like players play with him and puckered or players who are by Brant Snedeker shot 78 yesterday. The guy who was was, uh, leading the tournament going into the final round was out of it within a half hour (laughs) playing a group behind Tiger Woods. So these guys are—this will be the first—and Jordan Spieth shot 75 on Thursday What's with Tiger Woods. To Jordan Spieth? He's Jordan sloughing. Spieth is
3: struggling really badly this season, isn't and he? And that's
0: why like, people who compared Spieth and Dustin Johnson yeah. and, okay, at their peak, yeah, they're playing like Tiger Woods. But Tiger Woods played like that for 10 years and basically didn't miss a cut. Mm-hmm. And so to sustain that for a decade, and even for Tiger, it was a, it was a decade of major winning, and then it was five more years of—he had a knee surgery, but still he was— he was winning a bunch of other tournaments from 08 to 2013, just didn't win a major. And he was the best player in the world in 2013. So for people now to watch him, if Jordan Spieth and Brant Snedeker, who have both been among the top players in the world at times over the past five years, if they can't get it together to play around with him, you know, good luck to Dustin Johnson and some of these other guys, too. It's, it's going to be an experience that they've never really had before on this stage when he's paired up if with he you, makes, and when, that, when that gallery gets bloated like it did, if
3: he can get his game to a point where, where that he can make a run this year, the ratings are going to be through the roof. The Masters, if he's in contention on Sunday, they're going to set records. It's going to be completely crazy. Yes, it'll be fun to watch, People but it'll will be completely
0: watch. nuts. Yes, um, any I, I haven't seen any updates on Kirk Cousins yet, other than well, here's an update from the Saints. We got a Saints update. It looks like. Hold on a second.
3: We got Drew Brees. I'm just going through Twitter we got here. Drew news.
0: From the Saints Twitter account, they have announced it looks like a signing. All of right. Some guy named Zach Strife who will. Or wait, is Zach Strife their GM? I have no idea who Zach no, Strife is. Mickey Loomis is. Who's Zach Strife? I don't know. <laughs> But he's going to speak to the media. He, he in just New got Orleans. the
3: breaking news sounder. He was important enough to get the
0: breaking news sounder. Nah, it's not Drew Brees, is the breaking news. Drew Brees is a free agent and available. Zach Strife, offensive tackle with there the he is. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's
3: going back to the Saints.
2: Drew
0: Brees he's wants to around. get the band all together. Uh, phone lines open the rest of the hour 651 646 8255 877 615 1500. Hey, before
2: you run to break, uh, I didn't think we'd hear from him today, but Judbot just poked his head in here. Oh, wow. Uh, I mean, I figured he had the day off. We're not really talking hockey at all, but no, I mean, he, the... I don't know what he's got, but he said that apparently uh, really? Judd the humanoid here is not uh, sticking to his true self again. Uh-oh. Trying to hide his true color, all so right. Juddbot, take it away.
0: So the entire world is celebrating the idea that Tiger is back after finishing tied for second place yesterday. Let's put this into a perspective. First, remember that while he did finish second, he was also just three shots ahead of Jim Furyk he was old 10 years ago and here's a little quiz what do Jason Day, Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson Justin Thomas, Bubba Watson and Ricky Fowler have in common? what they all have in common is this they weren't playing in the tournament that really makes for an impressive field doesn't it? you think all of those guys are going to finish behind Tiger at Augusta? not a chance play a real PGA field and get back to me well Judd bot, oh, not impressed. I
3: didn't know the bot had expanded into the world of golf.
0: Not impressed.
3: The, the Juddbot just goes where he feels
0: he's needed, apparently. Very and that's, impressive, uh, Juddbot. With you hiding the truth? I Very mean,
3: impressive.
0: I mean uh, good for Tiger. It's awfully negative. Justin Rose is one of the best players in the world. Good Jordan for Tiger Speed. They played in the good tournament. Good for
3: Tiger Woods, I say. Uh, see, Judd bot, Juddbot's gone too far.
0: Davis loved the third play in that tournament. He won a major like 20 years ago. <laughs> D- didn't what, you know, is he three? 73 years old? Uh, he's like 60 right? I don't know. Let's take a call from Rick here. Rick, you're, uh, you're on with Mackie and Judbot 3000
2: Well, I'd like to talk to him as well, but Phil, uh, I know that you'll interact. I have to agree with Jud. Tiger Woods is the Babe Ruth of golf. He's the Babe Ruth of 1935 with the Boston Braves. I think, honestly, Phil, a second place finish in a average tournament does not mean Tiger's back and ready to win majors. Babe Ruth get three home runs against the Pittsburgh Pirates back in 1935 and retired two weeks later. Uh, I, I think it's a little soon to say that he's ready for majors and the the old Tiger's back. Uh, one tournament does not make a legend. Or so do you really legend. think
0: you're suited to be the fourth guy in our group, Buzz Killington? Boy, thanks, for thanks, Rick.
3: You're welcome.
0: Buzz kill that conversation. <laughs> Did Judbot put him up to this? I, I don't think Judd Bot
3: had a problem. That was an that aggressive way. call right after the bot spoke his mind. Really turned a corner here in the last few
2: minutes. Jim, was that
0: like, your first or second cousin, Rick, calling in from the Zolgad side? That's very unfair.
3: That's very unfair. <laughs>
0: Go, Tiger!
2: We're ready. Are you? The Mackie and Judd show rolls on.
3: Ready, Max
1: Control? Ready, switch on. This is 1500 ESPN. Trey Young is fun to watch. We hyped him as much as anyone. Uh, He's dynamic. He's must-see TV. But that team, the last seven, eight weeks, was not a good basketball team. They didn't guard anyone. They turned it over. Their shot selection was poor. They couldn't beat anyone. Happy to announce it, it is Pizza Hut time. Now that the madness is here, you can order your pizza at PizzaHut.com. And we want to thank the folks at Pizza Hut. They've been serving our crew, and they, they've brought some pies out here. Are, are you going to share any of that Absolutely. action with me right here? Absolutely. Oh, thank you so much. This is awesome. Uh, log on to PizzaHut.com and order away. Mmm. That's good pizza, isn't it, folks? Yes,
2: sir.
1: Yeah, okay. Well, a little more enthusiasm.
0: That's good pizza, isn't it? How, mu- how, much of that missed thing, it. how much of that thing did you watch? You were at Target zero. Center, so sure I missed it. I watched absolutely zero. Oh, Dave, did you, did you, Were you able to avoid it, or did you uh, did you catch it? Fully able to
2: avoid. So well, I was
0: I was all excited, and I I knew they were going to tweak a few things to the formatting. I don't know if maybe it was already announced that they were going to go alphabetical for the first fifteen minutes. So if, for people who missed it. TBS not CBS it's all Turner but TBS now does the bracket unveil. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a combination Ernie Johnson and uh Greg Gumbel and then they have Charles Barkley and Kenny Smith from inside the NBA who never watched college basketball. So it's
3: a split set then? When one portion of the set in Atlanta, they blend one it in all. New York?
0: Is that uh, how they did it? I think it? that's accurate. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't I guess I wasn't paying full attention to those details, but They spent the first 15 minutes alphabetically unveiling the teams, not the seeds, but the teams that are in the tournament. And then they went commercial break, brackets. And people were, I think, rightfully so, furious about just the chaotic, disorganized nature of it. Like, why are, okay, let's strip it down to its core. Two things. Number one, were people really clamoring for that format to be changed? We just want to see the brackets. So CBS and Turner overreact to a few people on Twitter the last couple of years saying, well, the brackets leaked on social media. Yeah. So I already see the brackets and like, and teams can see this stuff if they want. So they got to, you got to get to the information quicker instead of spending an hour unveiling 15 minutes of Midwest and then 15 minutes of, okay, mm-hmm. the problem can be solved if there is one by just unveiling the whole bracket in the first five minutes and then break it down for the rest of the hour. Like, why is that so hard? And why are we going alphabetical? And by the way, then they get to the T's, right? And there's other – there's. I saw this one. They get to the Texas portion, and they had – I think it was they had Texas before TCU Yep. in the alphabetical. And people were like, well, you're screwing up the alphabetical. T-C-U should be before T-E, Texas. <laughs> And then the comeback to that is, well, actually, it's Texas Christian, which would be after Texas, but they abbreviate it and then put it, it's like, just get rid of the alphabetical thing. You can't even figure it out anyways. It was weird to me. I don't know. I watched it and it was, I wasn't furious, but it was like, you guys are trying to reinvent something that does not need to be reinvented.
3: Well, they're trying, they're trying to do it because they're trying to, to assure sponsors that that they should buy expensive ads on the show because people are going to be glued to the show for the entire time. But that's just folly. It should be done here, no matter what you're going to do, and if it's going to be a, a two-hour show or an hour and a half show, no matter what you do, the show itself, the, the unveiling should be a half hour, right? Like, just in the first half hour. give, And then if you want to stick around, if people want to stick around for an hour plus after that to watch your breakdown, that's awesome. But I think... The smart move would be to go to sponsors and tell sponsors, we have X amount of availabilities in the first half hour of this show. And they're going to be expensive. You know why? Because it's unveiling of the entire bracket. And after that, we're going to discount those sponsors. Instead of this, in fact, I think it was CBS two years ago was the first huge problem because CBS did a two-hour show in which it took them to the second half of the show to unveil the rest of the bracket. So like they unveiled a bunch of it, but not the, the entire thing. Yeah. This sounds like equally as big a cluster bleep. It's just it's a half hour, it's a half hour worth of really good programming and if you choose to stay tuned after that, that's going to be up to
0: you. Well, but I, and and so what they did was they saw they saw people complaining. So there for a long time it was I think it was an hour long unveil of the four regions. And they had four segments. So they would go West region, commercial break. Mhm. Midwest region, commercial break. East, south. And so it would take a full hour for teams, hypothetically, to find out if they were in or they, or they weren't. And meanwhile, over the last couple of years, with the bracket leaking and and then it going viral on social media, people would find out after five minutes, oh, the, brackets, the bracket leaked or the bracket was posted or CBS.com, whatever it was. There's no need to wait around for an hour on TV to watch it. So they said, okay, it, it's going to be hard for us to prevent this thing from leaking. Let's just get the information out as quick as possible. But we have to preserve some drama because we want people to watch, right? Right. So let's tell them what teams got in so that the bubble teams all know if they're in or out. <laughs> right. And then we can make people wait through a commercial break to come back and unveil the actual brackets. To which I say, just unveil the bracket right away. Yeah. With the in teams. the first 10 minutes, the whole bracket in the first 10 minutes. And no, nobody has to break it down. We don't need Charles Barkley coming in saying, oh, it's terrible. Uh, Oklahoma is
3: terrible NBA guys trying to break it down yeah. now yeah.
0: unveil the bracket in the first 10 minutes and then spend the rest of the time interviewing coaches and doing your thing yeah and maybe you maybe you lose some viewership I guess but get creative then get creative but this is about pure greed this is
3: about how can we get sponsors to pay top dollar for two hours of programming that really could be boiled down to a half hour easily and bit but then the fear the fear is that then people will will see the brackets unveiled and they'll go to ESPN. Oh, they're not going to watch us. And the problem too is you you're right. When as great as Barkley can be when he starts talking about college basketball, it's clear he has not seen a game all season long for the most part. The best part about which when, is hilariously funny but it's also he's useless for that.
0: Yeah. It's uh when he starts breaking down like, they had him going through one of the regions where they'd show, they showed you, like, the eight different, or whatever it was. It was, like, four or eight different games and pairings. And he's just spitballing. But he's, but he's delivering takes. Like, <laughs> you know, he's giving you, like, oh, yeah, Butler's going right. to win this. And then they cut away from Charles Barkley to Kenny Smith and Ernie Johnson at a, a different part of the set. And they're both just, like, laughing, but they're trying not to be disrespectful. That's uh, Charles Barkley. Breaking it down as only Charles Barkley can, <laughs> and Kenny Smiths like laughing season. his ass off like he doesn't know anything about this. And they know, they know it's a fraud. But I just didn't think it needed to be fixed. Am I missing something? Were there a bunch of people just going crazy that the the old format up until this year was broken in some way that it needed to be overhauled? Two years ago, I, don't th- I think it was like three percent of people on social media yeah. scared no. the entire. Broadcast company. Two years ago, when,
3: when CBS went for two hours and decided to do the brackets for the entire show, somebody internally got their hands on the bracket and tweeted it out, and so they went absolutely apoplectic about that. Yeah. Last year, they tightened up to a 90-minute show, and I don't think it got ripped, but TNT now came in. This year, and they probably said, "Oh, we can improve upon this thing." I mean, this is this is the problems with with executives, right? We'll improve upon this. Here's what we'll do: we'll do an alphabetical order, and fans will love it. And but they just they this is not tough. Like this is not a tough show. This is a very simple show. The way you do this is get the brackets out as quick as possible, and accept accept the fact that if you're going to go for two hours, you're going to lose a lot of people.
0: Yeah, like I think. I think uh, for 50 years, when they're unveiling brackets on TV, and there's no other way—like newspaper—is your next thing that's going to tell you what the bracket is. Sure. Maybe, maybe websites in the early days of the internet. Now there's so many ways to get the information out. You can't make, you can't like hold on to the old media habits by making someone wait a full hour to get that yes. bracket unveil. So it's just our harder attention and harder. spans are gone. Or just be willing to. Unveil segment by segment. Make it take an hour, but just be ready for that thing to leak before sure your time. So I thought that was weird, but um, I my, I think my guess is they're going to go back to the old format or some version of the old format because they're getting a ton of backlash and just short, just shorten it up. Tom Pellicero with an interesting report on NFL Network about Case Keenum, which we can get to when we come back. And I don't think you guys watched this live last night. <laughs> I did. Dave brought this up in Stuff a few weeks ago. that Mm -hmm. They've got these OJ lost tapes that Fox is going to run up against American Idol. 99.9% sure he confessed. But there's Uh, nothing that anyone can do about it. So we'll play you some audio from that if you missed it too. Mackie and Judd, happy happy tampering day, everybody. Phil Mackie, Judd Zogad. The most meaningless exercise in sports media. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. This actually might be good news for the Vikings here. Yes That's sir. That Saints offensive tackle that they were doing a press conference for, Zach huh? Strief or yeah. Strife? Yeah, he's he's retiring. <laughs> so the breaking news is that <laughs> he's been with protectors is retiring. He's retiring. All right. And he hasn't signed back with the Saints yet. Suspiciously quiet on the Drew Brees Saints front it is the interesting. last It month, is interesting month and that he's not so. signed.
2: I'm not signing with a team if I know my tackle's gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: At least if you're the Vikings, you got Riley Reef over here, okay? He's going to protect you for the so first half of the them, season, for sure.
3: So you called Breeze this morning and said, but true, we got our tackles here. Yeah, and perhaps
2: the yeah. tackle is retiring because he knows, well, Drew's gone. Like, what? Why bother sticking around? We're not going to win anything anyway. Mm-hmm.
0: I like it. Uh, this is the other nugget here from our guy Tom Pelissero, who was on NFL Network, who he's pretty much on all day, and he's reporting on the Vikings side of things. And he said the... Case Keenum-Camp is seeking in the low 20s in terms of millions of dollars per year mm-hmm. on a free agent deal, and that Buffalo was one of the teams in the mix, and there might be a couple others. Because Buffalo just traded Tyrod Taylor to the Browns, so yep. they're in the market for a starting quarterback. Maybe
3: Buffalo, maybe um, Denver?
0: Is, was Denver the other team? Pelicero like mentioned a couple different a, teams. It
3: seems like that, that would be a logical option for him, yeah.
0: Yeah. So again, like that's the thing about Case Keenum, if, if he's been seeking... $20, $23 million a year. It's one thing if you get Case Keenum for way less than other franchise quarterbacks, but once he starts making franchise quarterback money as well and you're not sure about his ability to sustain that performance, Absolutely, it makes yes. a difference now that you're seeing those numbers out there. And nothing so far an hour and a half into the tampering period. They're nothing on low. Kirk Cousins. They're laying low, man. I'm telling you. Nothing on Drew Brees. They're, they're being quiet. They're probably doing like celebratory champagne and cigars, but they're just keeping it, keeping it to Skype because they can't meet in person yet. Um, so you guys did not watch the OJ Simpson thing yesterday. Dave, you brought this up in stuff you should know about a few weeks ago. So thank you for the hat tip. I would not have known this was on last night if not for Dave Harrigan and this radio show. OJ Simpson confessed on Fox last night. We're gonna play you some audio here. This is crazy. Yep. so this is old. This is but from it 2000- ran. It's from 2006. Yep. It's the only interview on camera he's ever done answering questions like this about the night of the murder. Um, so we'll just play a few clips just to set it up. It was him and a, and the publisher of his book. Uh, I forget the woman's name, but his book was, if I did it Yep, from like 10 or 12 years ago. And this is an interview from around the same time where he, so he spends and they did, they did like chunks of the interview and then they'd go to a live panel with Soledad O'Brien, with a friend of Nicole Brown Simpson's with uh, Chris Darden, I've, one yes. of the law, uh, lawyers Yep. And then, Judith
2: Regan was the uh, woman interviewing
0: Okay, Judith Regan, and she was on the live panel as well, reflecting back on this interview, in which she just said, hey, my job was to tee him up and let him hang himself, basically. So he, as a, as this huge sociopath and narcissist, was just, you could tell he was BSing about the history of him and Nicole Brown Smith, and how, um, or Nicole Brown, what did I say, Smith? Simpson. Simpson, yeah. yeah. And how... You know he the, the interviewer would bring up oh well, the, the night that the police came over and she had cuts all over her face in, in like you know a few years before the murder and he'd be like oh you know you know you know she got a little physical with me and you know, I'm a bigger guy I'm a bigger guy and he's just super flippant about everything yep until they got to the part where she said let's go to the night of the murders mm-hmm. tell me what may have happened from your standpoint and the book is well if I did it here's what may have happened right and he said. This is all hypothetical. (laughs) It's all hypothetical, right? I mean, come on, I'm OJ. Hey, hey, hurts. This is all hypothetical. And then proceeds to very, very uh, explicitly and in a detailed way, from a first-person account, tell you what happened. I mean, hypothetically, I remember this. I remember that. I don't remember that. But, I mean, this is all hypothetical, and he talked about a guy named Charlie who was with him and handed him the knife. And like me and Charlie had yeah, to get I, out of there. I saw some of these clips. Well, yes. Let's just play a few clips here from All right. OJ last night.
1: As things got heated, I just remember the cold fell and hurt herself. And uh, this guy kind of got into a karate thing. And I remember I grabbed a knife. I do remember that person, taking the knife from Charlie. And to be honest, after that, I don't remember.
0: Hypothetically. (laughs) So... (laughs) By the way, double jeopardy laws prevent him from... Of course.
3: So, Charlie is his alter ego? Let's play
1: more.
2: You write about removing a glove before taking the knife from Charlie?
1: Uh, You know, I had no conscious memory of doing that, but obviously I must have because they found the glove there. Hypothetically. (laughs) What? Charlie. (laughs) came by and mentioned something about what was going on at uh, her house. This guy, Charlie, shows up, the guy who I'd recently become friends with, and uh, I don't know why he had been by Nicole's house, but it told me you wouldn't believe what's going on over there. And uh, and I remember thinking, well, whatever's going on over there has got to stop. Wow. Hy- hypothetically. Wow.
0: So the, there's a couple other parts where... The interviewer would ask, hey, there was this account of you stalking her for several weeks. And he said, well, I, I'm not stalking. I'll we'll call it stalking. You know, I just wanted my kids to be safe. And I don't know what's going on at, at the house. And so I showed up and I, you know, I, I pounded on the door and then uh, and then I left. And she's like, oh, you mean you knocked on the door? No, no, I just pounded a couple times and, and I left. I didn't even look into the window. I didn't know what's going on. I just wanted to you know, let them know that someone's, someone's out there. But just super flippant. Yep. And then I think if, if that wasn't enough, the whole like first person account of what hypothetically may have happened, yep. even though he's saying, I remember, I don't remember, yeah. I remember, I don't remember. His reaction and his explanation of his reaction after the deaths and him being angry at Nicole. Why are you angry at her? I'm going to play a clip here, but like he, he would go to her gravesite and he would just be chewing her out, chewing the headstone out and they'd have to call police because he's making too much ruckus in the in the grave area. Well, what are you mad about? And I think if you could translate, and this is what the panel was talking about, he's mad because I told you I would kill you if you don't stop blank, right? right? I told you I'd kill you. You made me do this right. sort of
1: a mentality. Here's what he said. If you're angry with a person upon their death, you know, if you're angry with somebody about whatever's going on in your life, when they die, it's not like that anger disappears, right? And, and and because of the 911 call when I'm yelling at her about what's going on, it was like I want. It was almost like I wanted to say, I told you, didn't I tell you? Didn't I say to you? You know, it's whatever the hell was going on. You know what I mean? Didn't I? So you still got those kind of feelings in you, and you still are trying to deal with. I'm not going to be able to say this to this person. I'm never going to be able to change this person's mind. I'm never going to have an effect on this person again.
0: Didn't I say to you? Didn't I say to you can't change their mind? Yep. Fill in the gap. Yeah. Didn't I tell you? So he basically you made
3: me do this. So he made. So he made up the name of of someone who was actually him stalking her. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is sadly, it's the most unsurprising thing of all time.
0: Listen to this part again. This is the the yeah. the account of him standing in front of his two victims with the knife. Mm-hmm. And and keep in mind, he's telling this as, I mean, hypothetically, if I did it, this is what may have happened. So that's how he sets
1: it up. As things got heated, I just remember the cold fell and hurt herself. And uh, this guy kind of got into a karate thing. And I remember I grabbed a knife. I do remember that portion, taking the knife from Charlie. And to be honest, after that, I don't remember. That's also very convenient. Like he confessed. Yeah,
0: that's well, a confession, Darden, right? Dar-
3: Darden said. Darden said. I, I saw the clip from the from the post show thing, and he said, "If I had if I had known what he said in two thousand six, I wouldn't ob- have objected at the time to this being aired because it's a confession." Darden objected because I think he thought it was just going to glorify OJ,
0: when in fact. OJ essentially says I did. The way I understood that part was he, this is where I was confused, that Darden objected to that footage being used in court, but the trial was obviously long over, but yeah. this is this was recorded I, in 2006. I
3: think there was a major, if I recall correctly, in 2006, there was a, a movement to stop this from airing okay. because they thought that, that OJ was just going to benefit. And that OJ was going to try and make himself look good, and I don't think they saw
0: this. Which, by the way, he thinks he did. Yeah. So the interviewer, after they aired all of this, and they came back finally to the live shot again, and and she said, when it was all over, he leaned over off microphone and said, "I think I, uh, I probably probably got you to like me during this, right? Probably got probably uh convinced convince <laughs> you to like me." Wow. And she's sitting there thinking, wow. You, you're completely off your rock. But he thinks he comes off as this likable, yes. old, good old OJ, right? Jump, hurtling over the baggage carousel with but how about, my Hertz rent-a-car. How
3: about the fact, though, that in his mind, he, war- he warned her what the ramifications were going to be if she didn't change her life, and she didn't listen, and therefore it was her fault that
1: she got killed. If you're angry with a person upon their death, you know, if you're angry with somebody about whatever's going on in your life, when they die, it's not like that anger disappears, right? And and, and because of the nine one one call when I'm yelling at her about what's going on, it was like I want it was almost like I wanted to say, I told you, didn't I tell you? Didn't I say to you, you know, it's whatever the hell was going on, you know what I mean? Didn't I so you still got those kind of feelings in you and you still are trying to deal with I'm not going to be able to say this to this person. I'm never going to be able to change this person's mind. I'm never going to have an effect on this person again. That was,
0: like, he didn't think he was revealing anything in that. He thought he was being, you oh, know, right. I just feel bad that she's gone. He's admitting that he warned her he was going to kill her and that he and that he yep. paid it off. So if anyone else out there, if you watched that last night or have thoughts on it, we would take a couple couple calls on that too. 651 646 877 615 1500. We're sitting here in the TCL broadcast studios where we are staring at a glorious 55-inch TCL 4K Roku TV with four times the picture quality of a standard 1080p TV. Uh, It's amazing. So there's a reason why TCL is America's fastest growing TV brand and one of the three largest TV brands in the world. It's picture quality, it's built-in entertainment options, 4,000 plus streaming channels. In fact, Whoever was here last night was streaming WWE Network as we walked in this morning. A pay per view last night, so you got on one page, so to speak. You've got your cable or satellite menu of channels, and then on the next page, you've got all of the connected platforms via the Roku uh, device that's built into the TV. So you get you get the best of, uh, of of many worlds here too. So find out for yourself why TCL is America's fastest growing TV brand by going to any major local retailer in the Twin Cities or tclusa.com. It's Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd are back. Now, you can tell when they're ready by poking them with your finger. On 1500 ESPN.
2: Minnesota United Soccer is back at TCF Bank Stadium this Saturday. It's the home opener. They'll be taking on the Chicago Fire. Tune in at 12.30 p.m. for the pre-match show with Brian Pyatt. Followed by kickoff at one o'clock. Catch all the action right here all season long on 1500
0: ESPN. Uh people are yeah, people are chiming in who watch this. Uh Kurt Kurt Rowling on Twitter says, I think Charlie, Charlie, this character that OJ Buddy. brought to the interview. Yep. Or at least to the stories, mm-hmm. might have been Al Collings. AC Collins, Cowlings,
3: yeah. Because Al's the one who drove the uh white Bronco
1: in the chase. Charlie. <laughs> came by and mentioned something about what was going on at uh, her house. This guy, Charlie, shows up, the guy who I'd recently become friends with, and uh, I don't know why you had been by Cole's house, but it told <laughs> me you wouldn't believe what's going on over there. And, uh, and I remember thinking, well, whatever's going on over there has got to stop. Uh, and then our, our guy Derek James
0: from the Raised by Wolves podcast, he tweets in, how about the part where OJ said he blacked out after getting the knife and then was asked, "Have you ever blacked out before?" And he said, "No." Obviously, a convenient time to, of course, to black out. And other people are suggesting he's so narcissistic and egotistical mm-hmm. that he had to let the world know who deserves credit for these killings. Without oh, sure,
3: yeah, I could see that fully he's, yes.
0: incriminating himself. I could see that. Yeah, six five one six four six eight two five five the Patriot Realty phone lines. Hey, Ron.
2: Hey, how's it going? Did you get the feeling that murdering her wasn't enough Oof. for him? And I'm trying to figure out if there's a word above narcissism. If there is, he's that. But just, it, that wasn't enough for him.
3: Well, he, he was still mad, right?
0: I think, I think. Yeah. I think what so, yeah. His, so, his, to me, this is how I interpreted it. And this is where he starts talking about when someone dies, you're still mad at him. I interpreted that. And I think the panel said this, too. I was so mad, like, I had to kill her because I've been warning her and it just came to a head. But killing her didn't fix the problem for me because I still love her and I'm still mad at her. So killing, so kill, and then he kept, like, he kept referring Ron to early on before they got to the, well, hypothetically, what would have happened that night? He kept saying things like, well, this was part of my downfall or, well, this is kind of what started the downward spiral for me. Well, if you didn't wait, if you didn't kill anyone, what what downward spiral are you talking about, right, Ron?
2: Well, that that too, and then another thing, I finally get why. I mean, the Goldman father is the way he is because I mean, sometimes you, you 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 come to fruition and you you forgive and forget, but his son's just an afterthought. Yeah. So it's just sad. It's,
0: yeah. Thank you, Our, Ron. Appreciate the phone call. Impossible to say. Other people are speculating that like Cyrus said this on Twitter here that Charlie is his son. Um, who would have what? I feel like Charlie might be a hypothetical, just like some well, made met- up, like imaginary friend that he uses. He's to... He's
3: so off his rocker though, because then then he says Charlie, who I recently met, which is either trying to provide a cover and and or he's just Charlie. Amazing thing in these clips you play talking about the
2: knife, the glove, Charlie. How do you go for 15, 20, 30 seconds at a time knowing this is all supposed to be hypothetical and not, and make it, say it's and not realize, oh, crap, I'm saying I did this, I did that, credit,
3: Nicole did this, Nicole did that? He wants credit. Like in his like in his mind, the, the ESPN, what, five-part special on him was so good that after watching that, none of this shocks me. I mean, is he proud of himself? I think he needs I think he needs the public to know that if you cross him you are going to pay a huge price. And she crossed him.
0: Well, the control aspect is a huge factor here. And it and it shows you why she would be so scared. If she right. thought for 10 years before she died that he was going to kill her, I mean she was right, obviously. Mm-hmm. But to what Dave's saying, they so he bracketed the entire conversation about that night with this is all hypothetical. The whole book is if I did it. Right. This is what would have happened, which yeah. is either amazing, you know, clickbait in book form, or it's an admission with plausible deniability. Hey, this is all hypothetical. I'm going to admit this, but it's all it's all deniable. Let's play this one more time.
1: As things got heated, I just remember the cold fell and hurt herself, and uh, this guy kind of got into a karate thing, and I remember I grabbed a knife. I do remember that portion taking a knife from Charlie, and to be honest... After that, I don't remember.
3: I think the if, <laughs> remember what? I think the if part of this whole thing is not not him trying to protect himself. I, I think it's his lawyers basically saying you're a moron for doing this, but if you're go- going to do this, it has to be a hypothetical because it's very much like he wants to say no, I did it, and I think he thinks he's so charming that we'd all be like, oh yeah, that was a mistake,
0: but we still love you. Like I, Almost like if you were to have gotten a parking ticket or yes. something. I mean, I probably shouldn't park my cart there, but you know, people going through stuff, and I just forgot that my car was at a meter and I didn't plug the meter. There's a level of
3: I killed my wife of crazy here that that I think we're trying to get that we simply can't get. God, yeah, I really do.
2: I mean, that's a great way to put it because there's no reason to do anything like this for a sane human.
0: I want to hear this one clip one more time, and then we can move on because I think some people are okay. This is enough OJ but
1: this is super compelling. If you're angry with a person upon their death you know if you're angry with somebody about whatever's going on in your life when they die it's not like that anger disappears right and 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 because of the nine one one call when I'm yelling at her about what's going on it was like I want it was almost like I want to say I told you didn't I tell you didn't I say to you you know it's whatever the hell was going on you know what I mean didn't I so you still got those kind of feelings in you and you still are trying to deal with i'm not going to be able to say this to this person i'm never going to be able to change this person's mind i'm never going to have an effect on this person again
0: yeah (laughs) it's just super creepy too it's just super creepy fast and there's nothing that can be done nope all right hey nope there's not the nfl tampering update desk where dave harrigan has an update on how long teams agents and players have been tampering with each other wow
2: the tampering is really off the hook right now one hour 53 minutes and 35 seconds of tampering already underway throughout the
3: national
0: Football league, wow, a little too quiet on the Kirk Cousins. Did front you guys for see this right though? Now.
3: Supposedly, um, Mike Garofalo, We we got a tweet here from a guy named Joe Collier who said Mike Mike garofalo at some point in time uh, has reported that Kirk Cousins is going to take one trip, one visit, and that that visit is going to be to Egan, Minnesota. Really? That Garofalo has said that, but I've not seen a tweet. I've is not seen a, this
0: tweeted yet. Now that could be portrayed. In a couple different ways, and that he's not fully sure about the Vikings and needs to come visit just to make sure that things round the up or and up. The Rick Spilman, to pick out his locker, or that—that's the other one.
3: I want that one right there. <laughs> Take the Keenum name down, put my name up, <laughs> put Cousins up. Do it now, okay? Okay, Kirk, no problem at all. <sighs> okay, it's up. So, who knows? <laughs> the heavy breathing of Kirk Cousins. <laughs> I w- I want my name up there. Okay, no problem. No, that no, that's Rick. Rick would be the one who would race across the room to get the new name plate to put it up there in place of Case yeah. Keenum's name.
0: Uh, we also we had uh, Twin CBO Derek Falvey on the show earlier today, and he wouldn't. I guess this was I. I didn't even think about it, but they haven't announced the Lance Lynn signing yet because they haven't done the physical and stuff. Mm-hmm. So he couldn't actually talk about Lance Lynn. But you know, he whatever he was fine, and then we talked about a bunch of other stuff. So Phil Miller from the Star Tribune. I swear I saw a, I saw a photo of Lance Lynn in Fort Myers in the last couple days on Twitter. Yeah. And uh, Phil Miller sends a tweet out, no announcement from the Twins yet, but that sure looks like Lance Lynn <laughs> in a Twins uniform chatting with his teammates at today's workout. And sure enough, there's Lance <laughs> Lynn in a
1: full Twins uniform. <laughs> <laughs> we, know,
3: we know nothing. We know nothing about Lance Lynn.
0: Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Hypothetically, if we were <laughs> if, to we, sign if we signed Lance. Pitcher,
2: when you're getting stories about Joe Maurer sending out emojis for God's sake.
0: Oh. Yeah, that's a good point. Very him yes.
2: and Lomo texting back and forth, Maurer putting the Napoleon dynamite oh. uh pumping fist emoji in it.
0: Is there a more polar opposite <laughs> tandem of teammates than Logan Morrison and Joe Maurer <laughs> <laughs> texting buddies? Joe Maurer showing more oh, yeah, enthusiasm great, yeah. and, and emotion. In an emoji than his actual human side. Lance Lynn is standing right in front of
3: Falvey. Falvey can't talk about it. No <laughs> idea what you guys are talking about.
0: Uh, it's amazing. Uh, so hey, nothing. I'm sure. I'm sure our guys in the afternoon are going to be recklessly speculating from oh, one yeah. until six o'clock. Oh, wait
3: for the cousin speculation at three o'clock.
0: Really looking forward to that.
3: I hear one more thing about Kirk (laughs) Cousins. I'm going to go beat those two up. I'm going to come back and beat them
1: up.
0: But uh, we're going to be back tomorrow, and hopefully, things will develop in the next 20 (laughs) hours or so. You can find us on iTunes or anywhere you would download podcasts. Mackie and Judd Show page, 1500 ESPN.com.
3: Did you know Nissan EVs have traveled 8 billion miles? Just a quick trip to Pluto and back. And what did we learn along the way? Well, that an EV can take on the world, like the Nissan LEAF. It can move
1: racing forward and take your breath away, like the all-new Nissan Aria. We learned to make EVs that electrify. 8 billion miles driven by LEAF owners globally since 2010. Aria not yet available for purchase. Expected availability late fall. Subject to change.